reading for this afternoon that you can find in Romans chapter seven, verse fourteen to chapter eight, verse eleven. The book of Romans. Here is the word of God. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not that I do. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity. To the law of sin, which is in my members, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation to them. Which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the same things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because. The carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God; neither indeed can be. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of this. He's. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, 
He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwells in you. Thus far, we read the precious, holy, and infallible Word of our God, and let's sing Psalter. So three hundred years ago, like in China, there was one king who created something called the golden plates. It is also called death exemption plate. So the king would give this golden plate to some of his family. Or some of his close friends, or people who made great contributions, so that when they are guilty of some capital crimes, they can be exempted from the penalty of death. Their guilt and sentences are removed by the sign of that golden plate. And they are not under the state of damnation because of that. However, the king has still has the authority to take away that golden plate because he is the king. So this golden plate is not permanently secured. However, in our text today, which you can find in Romans eight, verse one. Paul declared a very great, a great negative comfort for all Christians, for all true believers today, that there is one thing that can exempt you from eternal death. Not only that, but we remove all your guilts and all your condemnations. That golden plate, that thing. Is the righteousness of Jesus Christ? If you are a true believer, you are imputed by God's righteousness. You are justified, and you are in Him. Therefore, there is no condemnation to you, and your salvation is a hundred percent secure in Him, and no one. No one and nothing can take it away. By God's help, we will meditate on this great comfort. Our theme today is a negative comfort. We will see together see two points. First, the content of the comfort for the first part of the verse one, and second, receivers of the comfort. Which is the second part of the verse one. So when we see this text, we would we would see like therefore, in the in the beginning of the the sentence, what does the word therefore mean? What does this word imply? So when we see the whole context of Romans, we can see it's very clear. From chapter one to seven, we can see. This therefore connects this chapter with the whole preceding argument. 
So in Romans 1 to 3, Paul speaks about the miserable state of every man by nature and their need of redemption, which is only in Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 4 and 5, Paul declares that believers are not justified by the deeds of the law, but they're justified by faith through Jesus Christ. In chapter 6, Paul proclaimed the beauty of the union with Christ, that believers were dead and lived together with Jesus Christ. In chapter 7, he described the real struggling in Christian life between the flesh and the spirit in Christian sanctified life. But in the end of chapter 7, he gives thanks to the Lord, as we have read, because he has victory through Jesus Christ. And now it comes to this chapter 8. Paul directly proclaims this content of the comfort in verse 1. Because all the benefits of Christians are in Jesus Christ. Their redemption, their justification, their sanctification are in Christ. Then there is therefore now no condemnation because of Jesus Christ. Because of Him, there is no condemnation. You may ask, what is condemnation? What is condemnation? When we say about condemnation, it includes both the state of condemnation and the sentence of condemnation. A criminal who killed someone is declared to be guilty before the judge. And he is in the state of condemnation, and he is condemned to death. Then you may, you may think, wait, I'm not, I'm not a criminal. I'm not guilty of anything. I think I'm a good person, isn't it? Is that true? Are you really, are we really a good person in front of the triune God, the holy God, who is perfectly just and righteous? No, dearly beloved, we are not. God demands the perfect obedience, and we cannot do it. He demands perfect obedience, and we cannot do it. God demands that everyone obey His perfect law perfectly, because that is His stand. We cannot do it. When we look to our life, how many times we lie, how many times we don't love God, we don't love man. No, we cannot None of us can say we can obey the law perfectly. On the contrary, we can do nothing good. By nature, all we do is against Him. We are not good people. We are filthy wrecks. 
It is what Romans 1 to 3 has been teaching. We are, we were born in the state of original sin because we are all the descendants, we are children of our first parents, Adam. And because of that, by nature, we do actual sins every second by nature. We disobey the law of God by nature every second. We all understand. We all understand. There is none righteous. There is none that's good. No, not one. Every person, every person by nature are criminals who against the holy and the just judge. Therefore, all of us are born under the state of condemnation. And we are all condemned. We are all condemned to death. Not only physical death, but spiritual death and eternal death. Without Christ, we are all guilty. We are all in the miserable condition, in the miserable state. We are all under the sentence of condemnation. And we are all in the state of condemnation because all have sinned. All have sinned. There's no hope in us. Our works, our social positions cannot save you. Cannot save you from this condemnation. A dead man cannot do anything to save himself. A drowning man cannot pull him out of the water. Like Ezekiel, an abandoned baby. We are all like abandoned baby. Cannot save himself in that state. We're helpless in ourselves. We are hopeless in ourselves because we have no ability to do anything good to satisfy God. You cannot, I cannot remove our sins from the eyes of God. A sinful man under condemnation cannot do anything to remove his condemnation and put himself in the state of no condemnation. It's impossible. We cannot do it. On the contrary, the Heidelberg Catechism says, we daily, we daily increase our debt to God. Then everyone Every one of us seems hopeless. We have no hope. Yes, yes, we have no hope in ourselves. But the Bible does not say that there is no condemnation to them which which by ourselves. The Bible says in Jesus Christ, no condemnation in ourselves. Hopeless. But we have hope in Jesus, who is the God-man. 
One reform, reformer, reformer says that when we see ourselves, we cannot see any reason to be saved. But when we see Jesus, there's no reason that we cannot be saved. We have hope in Jesus, the only Savior and mediator between God and sinful man. He is Jesus. Jehovah saves There is no obedience in us, but Jesus Christ obeyed the law perfectly for His people. The perfect obedience provided in Jesus Christ. He is God, but made Himself no reputation and took upon Him the form of a servant and was made the likeness of man. And he came to the world. He came to the world in the midst of human beings. He came down so low. He humbled himself so low that he was born in manger. He was rejected by his countrymen. He was betrayed by his disciples. He suffered with great sorrow. And was crucified to death on the cross to save sinners. Even his father. At that moment, the darkness moment, forsakes him to save sinners. He did so to save sinners like you and me. The perfect obedience. It's not in us, but it's provided. It's already provided in Jesus Christ. In Belgian Confession, Article 20, it speaks so beautifully. It says, God therefore manifested His justice against His Son when He laid our iniquities upon Him and poured forth His mercy and goodness on us who were guilty and worthy of damnation, out of mere and perfect love, giving His Son unto death for us, and raising Him for our justification, that through Him we might obtain immortality and life eternal. We were conceived and born in the state of condemnation, But by God's grace, our iniquity were laid upon, or we say imputed to Jesus Christ. And His righteousness put on us, imputed to us. We are now clothed. If you are a true believer, you are clothed, imputed by His perfect righteousness. And you are justified before God. What a beautiful truth of this double imputation. You were in the state of condemnation, but now, not because of your work, because of His work, then there's no condemnation to you. And when we see this word no, the original word, Paul used here a much stronger compound negative word in original language. So he could use two letters 
in the original language. He could use two letters to express this no, but he used one word, one stronger word to express this no. Literally translated into not even one. And also Paul puts this word in the beginning of this sentence. So in in Greek, the most important word would be put in the beginning of the sentence. Therefore, Paul wants to highlight and intensify this word, no. Christians can never be condemned by God. It is impossible. Not even one sin, not even one sin can condemn you. Not even one accusation can condemn you. Not even one. Dear believers, if you have a personal relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ, you are not declared to be guilty, but you are justified by Christ. And there is no condemnation. Not even one will put on you. Not even one. So, what does this no condemnation, no condemnation actually mean to each of Christian? I will list four things. First, it means that you are no longer under the penalty of sin because of His sacrificial work. His blood covered your sins. Just as Paul says in verse 3, God sent His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Jesus Christ is the expiation. By expiation, I mean He is an offering that removes something. In biblical sense, it means removing the penalty and the power of sin through the offering of the atonement. Therefore, God sent His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, become an expiation as a sin offering for His people, so that by the death of Christ, He destroys sin in His flesh, so that believers can be delivered from the penalty and power of sin. He takes away your sins by His own life. He redeemed you by His precious blood, bearing the guilt of sins, so that your sins before now and after are covered. Second, it means that you are no longer under the wrath of God because Jesus drank the cup, drank the cup of condemnation of His Father for His sheep forever. By His sacrificial work on the cross, when He said, it is finished, it is finished, the wrath of God was satisfied. As a sinner, we were always under the wrath of God. But because of His finished work, the wrath of God was removed from us. 
Now God's anger is turned aside because sin is covered. Now He delights in us. He delights in us because of His Son. And third, it means that you are no longer the enemy of God. By nature, we all we were all enemies of God. Because everything we did, we did not do that with by faith. We did not do that to glorify Him. By nature, we do for ourselves. By nature, we were enemies. But because of Jesus Christ, the mediator, now all His children are reconciled with God. Now we have peace and communion with Him because of Jesus. Paul speaks this in Ephesians 2. Jesus Christ abolished in His flesh the enmity that He might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. There was a huge separation between you, between me and God. But because of Christ, there is no separation. We were before enemies of God, but now we are children of God. We are children of God. And fourth, you are no longer under the law, neither under the bondage of law, nor the curse of law. As Paul speaks in verse 2, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Dear believers, you are free. You are free in Christ. You have liberty in Christ. Before regeneration, You are under the bondage of the law and the curse of the law. Every single word of the law condemns you to eternal death. But by Jesus, by His redemptive work, He was made a curse for you. He was made a curse for you. He redeemed those who are under the law, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nearing it to his cross. Colossians 2.14 All these laws which are condemned us, which are against us, are now canceled, are now canceled by his redemptive work on the cross. So beautiful. A, a, a theologian, a, the, a minister comments here very beautifully. He says, The depths of a wife must be discharged by her husband. And as by his marriage, all her previous obligations are at once transferred to him. So the believers being married to Christ is no longer exposed to the curse of the law. How rich it is. How rich it is for this negative comfort. No penalty. No wrath. 
no enmity, no separation, no bondage, no curse, no condemnation. However, dear, dearly beloved, we need to pay attention here that Paul does not say there is therefore now no sufferings or no afflictions. He does not say that. He says no condemnation. Why? Because a true believer indeed suffer in this world. A true believer suffer in this world because of maybe our sin, maybe other sin, maybe just the pollution of the, the pollution of sin in this world. The point is we indeed suffer in this world. A true believer has battles always between our flesh and the spirit. You might oftentimes experience like Paul for the good that I would I do not but the evil which I would not that I do this is a common sanctified life of a true believer however if you are true Christians you are indeed in the state of conflict You are in the state of sufferings. You are in the state of afflictions. But you are not in the state of condemnation. You are not in the state of condemnation. Charles Spurgeon speaks so well, he says, At the very time when the conflict is hottest, the believer is still justified. You are still justified in Christ. It is true, many times, people around you, they will speak a lot of things against you. People around you say a lot of things to condemn you. You should not do this. You should not do that. You should do this. You should do that. You cannot touch this. You cannot kindle that. And Satan always condemns God's people because he is a great accuser. He accused Job to God. And even many times our own conscience, our own conscience condemns you. When you do something not well, when you do something to disappoint others, you feel guilty. You blame yourself. And when you sin, maybe you sin against the Lord. You may feel very guilty to seek Him again. Because you may think the Lord will not love you anymore. Because He will condemn you with certain sins. You are fearful to see the Lord. You may think that you should do more. You should work more. You should do this, do that more to please God, to earn His favor. And sometimes when you are very 
when you are backsliding. Maybe you, are, you, you may be afraid to come to the Lord's table because you think you are full of sins. You do not deserve to come to the table. You think God will condemn you. But I want to ask you, I want to ask you, each of you, if you are a true believer, do you cease to be a Christian when you sin? Do you cast out from Jesus Christ when you do something bad? Can your state in Jesus Christ change because of others' accusations? No. As Paul says in the later of chapter 8, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Who is he that condemns? Your state is in Jesus. Your salvation is secure in Jesus. Even though all things, all things can condemn you, but no work. It does not work because God Himself does not condemn you because of your state, because of your union with His Son, Jesus. Christ. Children or teenagers, when you do something wrong at school or at home, what will your parents usually say to you? They may discipline you, right? For your wrongdoings, because of your, for your benefit, because they love you. So they discipline you. But I don't think your parents will say to you, Get, leave my house. I don't think they will say this to you. Likewise, your heavenly Father will never condemn you and cast you out of His household because of your union with Christ Dear believers, when you feel condemned by yourself, when you feel guilty, fix your eyes again upon your Lord Jesus Christ to see your status, that you are complete in Christ, you are in Him. You have this such beautiful union and communion with Him. Again, to Wrong to him to see his promises. When you sin against your Lord, yes, he will discipline you by all means of grace because he wants to shape you. He wants to refine you because he is your heavenly father. You should feel sorrowful to your sins and you should repent daily. But you should not feel condemned because His promises, He promises you with this great negative 
comfort. There is therefore now no condemnation, not even one. Now maybe now you have a question. Is this apply for everyone? No condemnation for everyone. God forbids. As Paul continues to say, there is now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. This is our second point. Receiver of the comfort. We can see the receivers very explicitly here. The receivers of this comfort are those people who are in Christ. In other words, they believe in Christ. They believe in His word. They believe in His promises. They have such a personal relationship to Him. Their life submit to Him fully. They believe not only the benefits of Christ, but the person of Jesus Christ as their own Savior by faith. These people are true branches abiding in the true vine. Here Paul uses the word to them. To them. It means that God does not only save some specific groups. There is no division in Christ. No matter who you are, no matter where you are from, no matter what is your history, your background, no matter how bad you were in the, in before, no matter where do you come from, if you believe in Jesus by faith, you are one in Him, and there is no condemnation to you. True Christian in Jesus were united to the first Adam, but by God's grace, by faith, they're united to the last Adam, who is Jesus Christ. By the first Adam's disobedience, many were made sinners, but by the obedience of our Lord Jesus Christ, shall many be made righteous. You were in darkness. You were bounded by the power of sin, the power of Satan. We were the children of unrighteousness. We were the children of disobedience. We were dead in sins. But by Christ alone, by grace alone, by faith alone, now we were, we are justified. We are in the light now because He is the light. We are now leading by His power, by His Spirit. You are raised up by God, sitting together in heavenly, in heavenly places. In Jesus Christ, Ephesians 2, verse 6. Because you are in Him, dear believers. 
Because all these people, all his people, are in him, then there is no condemnation. A Puritan preached to his congregation so powerfully. He says this: "Now shall there be condemnation where there is such a union? What in Christ, and yet under condemnation?" Those that are so near to Christ here shall they be set at an eternal distance from Him hereafter? Where I'm in Christ, so I want to live for Him. Dear believers, what a beautiful verse! What a great negative comfort it is. Perish. The Lamb of Christ shall not perish. If you are in Him, if you are in Jesus Christ, there is no condemnation. Not even one. However, dear friends, if you you still don't believe in Him, if you do not truly repent of your sins and flee to Christ. Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day thirty-one, describe you this way: You stand exposed to the wrath of God and eternal condemnation. God will judge you both in this and in the life to come. Not only the condemnation now, but eternal condemnation. At the judgment day, you will be cast out into eternal hell. You have no ex- excuse excuse there when you face the Lord face to face. Repent, my friends. Repent now. Cry out to this living God. Cry out to Jesus Christ. Don't wait. Don't wait for tomorrow. You never know what would happen tomorrow. Today, the gospel is free offered to you. Come to Him. Maybe tomorrow, you will die. We don't know. We cannot control these things. You never know. But one thing. One thing is sure: when the time comes, when the moment comes, when Jesus Jesus Christ comes, when the condemnatory sentence being passed, it will be irreversible and irresistible. So, dear friends, don't wait. But come to Him, pray, pray, pray to Him, pray to Him, dear friends. However, how can you know? How can each of us know that we are truly in Christ? Today, so many people, so many people. Says I am Christian, like especially in the United States, every almost 
Everyone thinks I, I'm, I'm raised in the Christian family or something. I'm Christian. I don't need to go to church. I'm Christian. Is that enough to have only the oral profession of Jesus Christ? No. As Paul continues to say here, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Those who are truly in Christ, those who are truly in Christ, must walk after the Spirit and to bear the fruits. Justification and sanctification, they are distinctive, but never separated. And notice Paul's language here. He does not use the conjunction because in the original language. He did not say because they walk not after flesh. He simply says who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Why? Why he does not use because? Because your good work is not the foundation. Your good works is not the requirement for being in Christ. You are justified by His grace alone, 100% by His work. You cannot earn any favor by your good work. That's why Paul says, who walk instead of because. It's not what Roman Catholic teaches and today many other doctrines teaches that your salvation is done by both your work and God's work. They will say that you will do your best and God will do the rest. No. Our good work is not the foundation. God does not see our good work to accept us and by the way, we, by nature, we cannot have good works. We don't have ability to do that. However, it does mean that sanctification is an evidence of our faith. Here, Paul, Paul simply says, if you are truly in Christ, then you will have these good works If you are truly in Christ, then you will walk after the Spirit. Your sanctification is the evidence of your justification. Your fruits are the manifestation of your faith. Sanctification is not the cause of your justification, but it is an evidence of your justification. Just like James says, show your works by your faith. Show your faith by your works. You have to show your works to manifest your faith, don't you? Therefore, if you are justified once in Christ by His grace, then you must be continually sanctified in Jesus by His grace. If you are truly justified, 
Yes, you are not under the law. Those law, the Ten Commandments, cannot condemn you. But that's that's God's word. That's His word. Help you to see God's standard that you can obey His word. That's why the the structure of Heidelberg Catechism, mystery, deliverance, and gratitude. Then you know God's standard so that you can obey His word by doing so. The view of antinomianism is totally wrong. They say that those believing Christ does not need to obey the law of God at all. We can do whatever we want because we are Christian. We have liberty. But in Galatians 5, Paul says to those believers, if you have liberty in Christ, then serve one another in love. Paul opposed this view. Paul opposes this view of antinomianism because those true, true, truly believing Jesus will use the law of God as their guidance to live with gratitude. They will not walk after the flesh habitually, but they will be led by the Holy Spirit to bear the fruits. So dearly beloved, we should always, we should always examine ourselves. Are you walking after the flesh? Or are you walking after the Spirit? Are you the Christians who only have oral professions? but do not do the will of the Father? Do you still love sin? Do you still love sin? Indeed, in this world, we, can, we always sin, but the point, do you still love sin? When you sin against the Lord, do you enjoy sinning against Him? Do you enjoy the lawless life? Do you enjoy the life according to your imagination, but not according to the word of God? If so, maybe you are not in Christ if you still love sin. You are not in Christ. You are not led by the Spirit. You are led and walking after your flesh. You are building your own foundation on the sand instead of the rock. At the day of judgment, Jesus will say to you, I never knew you. Why you call me Lord, Lord? I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Repent, friends. We need to examine ourselves very often. 
build our foundation on Jesus and on His Word instead of our flesh. However, if you are truly in Christ, you are led by His Spirit. You want to pursue holiness, don't you, dear believers? Because your Lord is holy, you are a new creature in Christ. As you have received Jesus as your Lord, walking Him, walk after the Spirit, rooted and built up in Him. Do not go back into the darkness again. Do not go back to the world again. The Word of God is written to you in the Bible so that you may sin not. Do you remember the story? The woman who was taken in adultery by scribes and Pharisees in John 8? When they used the law of Moses to condemn her, that she should be stoned to death. What did Jesus say? What did Jesus say in John 8? He said at the end, Neither do I condemn thee. He said, I do not condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Dear believers, God will not condemn you if you are a true believer. God will not condemn you because you are in Christ. But do not be relaxing, but be sober. Walk according to His word. Stand firm on His word. When we live in this world, we need to be very careful about the, the environment around us and always remember His Word. Always live unto Him and sin not. Yes, many times, many times, as Christians, as true Christians, we many times walk after our flesh because of our remaining sins. We are not perfect yet. We are still in the state of not perfect. But you will not always follow your flesh. A true Christian will not always follow your flesh. You will sometimes fall into temptation, but you do not love sin. You hate sin more and more because you were dead to sins. You were dead to sins and quickened with Christ. Then you will hate sins more and more. You delight in God's word inwardly, as Paul says in Romans 7, don't you? If you are a true Christian, inwardly you delight in His words, even though many times we cannot do it because our flesh is weak. But as a true believer, you desire, you desire the sweet communion with Him, don't you? You desire for His word. You truly don't want to get into the world. You don't want to, you don't want to get into the temptations. 
You long for prayer, even though many times you fail. But deep in your heart, you want Christ. Deep in heart, you want Christ, dear beloved. Use all the means of grace to walk after the Spirit, to walk in holiness. When the flesh come out, when the flesh come out, pray and cry out, "Oh Lord, help me, help me!" Just like I think as Martin Luther when he cried out, "My my master, my Lord is Jesus." Satan, go away! Pray for his help, because you know that you cannot do anything by yourselves. Pray to him. Depend on him. Flee away from all temptations, and flee to Christ. Read. Meditate, memorize, and root it in His Word, praying that your indwelling Spirit will guide you and win the battle to the flesh. We must be very familiar with our Bible. If we don't know the Word of God, then how can we use the Word of God to fight? And also remember. Dear believers, the fact, the truth is that you are complete in Him. We we should always reminding our we should always remind ourselves of our state. We are in Christ. We are complete in Him. So sin has no controlling power over us. We are able to walk after the Spirit. By His grace, live out of His word. Even sometimes you fail. Do not lose your heart. Do not lose your heart. Do not condemn yourself. Do not be discouraged, because God will never condemn you. But repent and come to Jesus Christ again and again and again. Come to Him, grasp, grasp this comforting truth: no condemnation, because I'm in Christ. I'm in Christ, so I want to live for Him. Dear believers, what a beautiful verse! What a great negative comfort it is. Even though in this world. There are so many challenges, even though there are so many difficulties in front of you. The world, our own flesh, Satan—all these things make you suffer, make you painful. Even though many people and your conscience condemn you for all kinds of things. But be cheerful, dear believers, because there is not even one, there is not even one condemnation to you. Sin cannot 
condemn you. The law cannot condemn you. The curse cannot condemn you. Hell cannot condemn you because God does not condemn you. And it is not sometimes, it is not something that would happen in the future. We can see this in our text. Our text says, there is therefore now. Now. It is now. When you were converted from sin to Christ. When you enter the justification that Jesus made possible by His death. You already have the eternal security in Christ. It is not an expectation for future, but it is now. It is now. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, our Heavenly Father, we give thanks to Thee for Thy Son, Jesus Christ, for His great work, His finished sacrificial work on the cross, so that everyone who come to Him, who are in Him, and now there's no condemnation to them. Lord, we confess by nature, we We are so condemned by thy law. We are so condemned by thy word. But we have this great comfort that all Christians, all Christians are not, will not be condemned by thee, O Lord. Help us to grasp this truth. And also, Lord, help us to see that as Christians, we have We need to live unto Thee. We need to obey Thy word. Lord, help us to continue to die to our sins and live unto Thee. And Lord, we pray also for those who do not believe in Thee or who those have only oral profession to Thee, Lord. Illuminate them with Thy Spirit. Show them that they are in such miserable state so that they can cry out to Thee and run to our Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, as we close our service today, may Thou use Thy Word. May Thou use the preaching of the Word to each of us that we could apply Thy word to this coming week so that we, each of us, could be strengthened, could be convicted, could be comforted, and we can be drawn near to Thee. We can know better, more and more, of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray all these things 
in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.